Good to see all of you here this morning. Glad you could be here to worship uh, with us today. And if you are uh, visiting, we're glad to have you here. And we invite you to come back to be with us again as often as you can. Several announcements to bring to your attention. Uh, please read in the bulletin about the music camp coming up in a few weeks that Jessica is doing. I think that is in the bulletin this week. But it's the first week of... Uh, of August, and um, they will be, the children will be coming in the morning and learning the, their parts as well as decorating. And then on the Thursday night of that first week, which I think is the 4th of August, they will be having um, a production. Um, so, right? Okay. So we look forward to that. Um, wonderful Wednesdays continue this week with movie day kids are invited to the church's social hall for movies and theater uh, and theater snacks that is from 9 a.m. to 12 noon please register online at greerchurch.com um, through our church's bulletin or in the family life center um, next week we will be having the administrative board meeting again we had one a few weeks ago and asked the finance committee to go back and find some more facts for us um, we are ready now or they are ready to present these facts to us and that will happen next Sunday right after this service uh, because actions that we take next week perhaps will need to be ratified by a charge conference our district superintendent has authorized us to have a charge conference on the 24th that's two weeks from today and that makes us legal to um, to announce that and if we have nothing to present, we will call it. It's easier to call off a legal meeting than to find one, uh, set one up uh, later. So anyway, plan now for the next two Sundays, members of the administrative board, to be present right after church as we look at a couple of uh, important matters and have our charge conference two weeks from today. If you have any questions about that, uh, be, feel free to talk with me in the, in the days to come. Good to be back with you after a rather long ride up the road to Valparaiso, Indiana. They ought to cut that area off and call it either uh, Michigan or Illinois. It's way up there, 675 miles. And um, I guess we're going to have to get used to that because that looks for, like where John is going to be living from now on. Um, although, I think I'm going to see what leaves Greenville Spartanburg Airport and goes that way. That may be the way to do that from now on. Get us there a little quicker anyway. But good to be back with you and want to thank Dennis Lee uh, for being here last Sunday and uh, giving you a very wonderful worship experience. Let us now worship God together.
remain standing, let us affirm our faith in God using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and stood at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From this you shall come to judge the quick and dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. This time we invite the children to come forward to join Candace for a few moments of sharing. Come just to teach my own too. Come here, scatterbugs. <laughs> All right, I have something I'm gonna give you. I hope I didn't embarrass you guys. Oh, dude, please. And I want you to look at it, and I want you to tell me what you think it is. Here you go. Here you go, Jacob. Okay, what is it? What do you have there? Some seeds. Okay, what do you do with those, Andrew? What should I do with those? Plant them. Okay, if I was going to plant some seeds, what would I need to plant the seeds? Some water, some soil. What else? Love. Okay, I'm going to have to give it some attention, aren't I? What about sunshine? Do I need sunshine? Do you think that I could plant those seeds right here if I had water and sunshine and soil and love? What would happen probably? It wouldn't grow because maybe the roots wouldn't be strong enough. All right. Well, today I'm going to tell you a story. It's actually one of my favorite stories from the Bible. It's, it's actually a story that Jesus told. And since you guys know all about planting seeds, then this will be easy for you to understand. A long time ago, Jesus told a story of a farmer. And the farmer, he was out in the field and he was planting some seeds. And he had a handful of seeds and he had a a basket that he would reach in and grab the seeds and he was just scattering them in the field just like the seeds that you have in your hand well when he did that all of the seeds just kind of flew everywhere some of them landed on the footpath would be kind of like what a sidewalk is some of the seeds landed among some rocky soil some of the seeds landed in um, where the weeds would be growing and then some of the seeds actually landed on a fertile ground and, and that was a good thing all of those seeds, when they landed in that spot, different things started to happen to those seeds. The seeds that fell on the footpath, well, there's no soil, no sunshine, it was really hot. Eventually the birds came down and scooped up those seeds and those seeds never really had a chance to grow or do anything. The seeds that landed among the rocks, well, they kind of started to take root, but eventually the roots weren't strong enough and they wilted and they just died. Then the seeds that landed among the weeds, those seeds, they really didn't have much of a chance because all of the weeds were soaking up all the water and didn't give those little seeds a chance to grow. But the seeds that landed among the fertile ground, they grew big and they grew strong, and eventually it was a huge harvest for the farmer. Well, when Jesus told that story, he really wasn't telling that story to teach us all how to plant a garden. Why do you think he was teaching us that? Anybody know? Well, he was teaching us that because he wanted us to understand that there are all kinds of people in the world. And when people hear the word of God, they react differently. Like the seeds that fell on the footpath, some people hear the word of God and maybe they don't really understand it. 
So then the evil one comes down and scoops up their seed, and then they don't really have a chance to grow. There are also people who are kind of like that seed that land on the rocky ground. When they hear the word of God, they're real excited about it. And as soon as the newness wears off, they kind of drift back into their old habits and their roots weren't strong enough so they don't really have a chance to grow either. But then you have those people who hear the word of God and kind of like the seeds that land in the weeds, they hear the word of God and they believe it, but then they come become overcome with life and their worries and all of the stuff that they want in life. And that kind of, those kinds of things are like the weeds. They, they drown out the word of God. But then you have those people who hear the word of God and they take it into their heart and they try to put it into practice in their lives and they grow every single day in the Lord. And those people are like the seeds that land on the fertile ground. So when Jesus told that story, he told that story so that we would become more like those seeds that landed in the fertile ground. So I'm going to let you all take those seeds home with you. And if your parents can let you, I'll help Grand Rally and your parents can help you all plant those. But if you would, just bow your heads and let's pray real quick, okay? Dear Jesus, thank you so much for being here with us today. Please help us to grow strong in your word. And just like that seed on the fertile ground, help us to create that bountiful harvest for you. In your name we pray, amen. Old Testament reading is from the book of Genesis chapter 25 verses 19 through 34. This is the account of Abraham's son Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean from Paddan Aram and sister of Laban the Aramean. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. The Lord answered his prayer and his wife, Rebekah, became pregnant. The babies jostled each other within her and she said, Why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to be born was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment, so they named him Esau. After this, his brother was born, with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. The boys grew up. And Esau became, Esau became a skilled hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was a quiet man staying among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once, when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That is why he was also called Edom. Jacob replied, first sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is a birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Here ends the lesson. 
Our responsive reading is Psalm 25, which is found on page um, 756 in your hymnal. I invite you to turn to that page and stand as you're able as we share God's word responsively. And it actually begins on, on the, uh, the next page, across from that. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Let none that wait for you be put to shame. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Lead me in your truth and teach me. Be mindful of, mindful of your mercy, O Lord, and of your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore the Lord instructs sinners in the way and leads the humble in what is right and teaches them their way. Romans 8, 1 through 11 is our epistle lesson for the day. Paul is writing and he says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in, the, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be an offering for sin. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the, righteousness requirement, the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God, you, however, are controlled, not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, and yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Here ends the lesson.
In a few moments when we uh, join our hearts in prayer, just to bring you up to date on some folks, um, Wade Kinnett has been moved from Greenville Memorial Hospital to the Cottages, uh, Crepe Myrtle, and is doing very well. We're very grateful for that. Will McKellar is now at home um, dealing with her broken hip and being kept comfortable there, um, not able to undergo surgery at this time. So uh, remember these folks uh, in your prayers. Let us now join our hearts together. Lord, for these that we list in our bulletin week by week, these are more than just names on a piece of paper. These are dear friends, people that mean a lot to us. Therefore, we lift them to your throne of mercy and grace for your touch of healing this day. And Lord, we're thankful that your goodness to us is expressed in such lavish, extravagant ways day by day. For indeed, we see that it appears you do look over our lives, looking for opportunities to plant seeds of blessing in our hearts. And we are thankful, Lord, that you shower your blessings upon us, even though sometimes our hearts may not be receptive. Perhaps sometimes we are pretty beaten down in life so that the seed can't take root on the path that has been trodden in our lives at that moment. And other times, Lord, we know that we are going through a rocky time in our lives and we fail to be as deeply committed to you as we ought to be. But thank you, Lord, that you keep working with us and cultivating our lives and you continue to pour out your love upon us, good seeds. And we're here this morning because some of those seeds have taken root and grown in our lives. And we have become followers of Jesus Christ. And so now, Lord, as we are your harvest in your field, we pray that you would use us as your partners in the ministry of spreading the good news, of scattering those seeds wherever we go, seeds of your love and care. Cause us, O oh God, to be your faithful partners so that your love might have the opportunity of being planted in every heart on this planet. For we know the power of your love and the power of your grace and mercy to make all the difference in the world in our lives. And for this, we are surely grateful. Most of all, Lord, we are thankful this day that you planted another seed upon this planet. And that was your son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for us, who was planted in the earth in his death, and yet who sprang to new life in his resurrection and has been producing fruit for you on this earth ever since. How grateful we are, O oh Lord, for the gift of Jesus to our hearts and lives. For it is in his name that we pray as he taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us now worship God by giving.
Before I read the gospel lesson for today, I need to extend a welcome to a uh, person who's been here a long time as a part of our church, but now would like to be recognized as an, as an official member, and I'm going to uh, probably embarrass him, but uh, anyway, David, you're back there, right? Would you stand? David Dorn, been a part of our fellowship for a long time, uh, married, in, he almost married Broadus, but he's in that family anyway. And uh, we're, we're glad to have you as an official part of this church. You've been a good, uh, faithful member for many years, but we, we welcome you now officially in this capacity. Uh, it's um, sometimes difficult to know exactly how to um, welcome somebody who's been here longer than I've been here. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we're, we're delighted to, to have you with us and welcome you into our fellowship. Um, Gospel reading is from Matthew chapter 13, 1 through 9, and 18 through 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along a path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seeds fell on good soil, where it produced crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. Verse 18 we've gone to now. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who receives the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. It produces, he produces a crop yielding hundreds, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Here ends the lesson. From time to time, someone points out that Jesus probably would not be very successful as the pastor of one of our modern churches. For one thing, he was forever showing up with the wrong element of society and the places that he went. You might not like it today if Jesus and his disciples came to church today, bringing their gang of reformed thieves and mentally ill persons with them, not to mention some ladies of little or no reputation. But if you were able to see beyond that, you still might not be comfortable with one of Jesus' sermons because actually Jesus didn't preach sermons at all, at least not as people have been taught to fashion and to deliver a sermon over many, many different centuries. Jesus didn't do that. He just told stories based on things that happened around him in daily life, stories about farmers and fishermen and merchants, Often, the points of his stories were not all that clear to his hearers, leaving people to wonder what he was trying to say. One day, after Jesus told the parable of the sower, and before he explained it, his disciples came to him and asked, Why do you always speak to the people in parables? Why not just use plain talk that's obvious to everyone? Was Jesus trying to speak in code? so that most people would fail to understand him? Was that his intention? If you're not careful with the reading of Jesus' answer to the disciples' question, 
That's exactly what it sounds like Jesus was doing, that he was trying to hide something. Jesus said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they don't see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. Doesn't that sound like Jesus is using double talk to keep people in the dark? But that's not at all what Jesus is saying when you really understand his answer to them. So let me see if I can paraphrase it. You disciples have been given the ability to understand the kingdom of God, even though it's not that obvious. But most folks do not understand. They look and don't see. They listen but don't hear. So I use parables to help these folks really see with their eyes and hear with their ears so that they might begin to understand in their hearts and turn to me so that I might heal them. So Jesus' stories are very simple so that common people could understand his message. He used parables to try to bring people into the light, not to keep them in the dark. Jesus could see a parable around him everywhere in life. God was like that father of the prodigal son, he said. A real neighbor is someone you might not know personally, but the one who shows compassion to you in a time of great need, like that good Samaritan did. And God is like a farmer who generously scatters seed all over the place, on all kinds of soil. Perhaps there were several reasons that Jesus told this parable. First, Jesus wanted his disciples and us to be aware of the various reactions that people would have to our preaching the good news of the gospel. Some would be like the path and would give absolutely no response at all to our good news preaching the message will go in one ear and out the other. Still others will be like that rocky soil. They'll respond eagerly at first, but there's no depth to their commitment, no roots. Therefore, when the heat gets turned up in their lives, they collapse and lose their faith. Some will respond like thorny soil. They like what they hear, but the pressure of pursuing fame and fortune and worrying about lesser goals choke out the interest in the gospel. He who dies with the most toys wins is the motto they live by. But some would respond like prime farm soil and produce more crops than you can imagine. How true this has been throughout all of history. Jesus was encouraging the disciples then and now not to become discouraged by failure. Not every child we educate through the church will grow into an adult disciple of Jesus Christ. Not every act of kindness that we do will be well received or understood. Not every witness for Christ will be appreciated. Some people will act like they didn't hear a thing. Some people will fall by the wayside under the, the least little bit of pressure. Some will be too concerned with material things to become very serious in their discipleship. But the real good news is that some people will respond and respond well to the message of the gospel. And they will become disciples who will themselves produce many, many more disciples. So Jesus' basic message in this story is just keep at it. Keep at your work of sowing gospel seeds. Don't quit when you get discouraged, keep scattering the seeds. Keep teaching those children. You know, there might be another Billy Graham in one of our Sunday school classes today. There may be a future preacher or future teacher, doctor, lay leader, musician, youth director, right there in this church being raised. You just be faithful in sharing the gospel and scattering those seeds. Perhaps the second reason that Jesus told this parable was to teach us that success in our work for the gospel may be a matter of good timing on our part. Not everyone is ready to receive the good news today. 
The message version of Matthew 13, that translation says that Jesus told parables to create readiness, to nudge people toward receptive insight, that is to help them get ready for the gospel. Part of our task, therefore, is to prepare the soil, to pick a time when it's time to plant in their lives. Dr. R.C. Hofler, professor of preaching when I was at the Lutheran Seminary down in Columbia, said this about bad timing. He says, even the weekend fisherman knows you don't just walk up to any stream, throw in your hook, and catch a fish. You have to be at the right place at the right time with the right bait. So with sharing the gospel, it is a matter of timing and knowing people. Johnny picks up a baseball glove and heads to the door. Mother suddenly remembers that the pastor last week in his sermon encouraged parents to sit down and talk to their children about God. So she catches Johnny on the run, sits him down and says, we're going to take a few minutes to talk about God. Nothing results. The timing is off. Johnny at that moment is hard soil. His mind is a beaten path directed exclusively in the direction of the ball field. Any seedling word about God and religion at that moment is for the birds, Hopeful writes. On the other hand, there will be moments, good moments, when Johnny is receptive soil. Perhaps that time when his dog was run over and killed by a passing car and he came in and asked his mother why things have to die, one word spoken to his tearful question at that moment is worth a hundred lectures about God, either at home or at the church. Part of our task is discerning the seasons of people's lives so that we will see when they're open to God's gracious good news, and then we plant the seed. Another part of our task is helping people be open. Some have been beaten down by life like a path. They can't receive the gospel until Christians soften their hardened hearts by acts of love. Some are so choked with the concerns of daily life, they spend all of their energies every day just providing for their basic needs, and there's nothing left over, no time left for spiritual matters. For them, our task may be to help train and educate them so that their labors can be more productive, giving them time for spiritual reflection. Others, like the rocky soil, need to be told up front that the way of Christ can be very difficult at times, and it's not for the faint of heart. These folks can mature in time. So I hear in this parable of Jesus a call to cultivate the soil that we encounter, to never write someone off as being unable to be reached for the gospel. With prayerful cultivation and good timing, Every soil can be receptive to good seed. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and bloom, said the prophet Isaiah. Perhaps the third reason that Jesus told this parable is set forth by theologian Helmut Tillich. He says that at different times in each of our lives, we are those four soils. Sometimes life tramples each one of us down into a hardened path. Other times we cannot help from being overcome by the cares of life. As a lady told me one time, I think you had a good sermon today, but I never can hear a sermon when I'm worried that the pot roast is burning at home. At other times we may respond enthusiastically, but without the depth of understanding that we need. We really want our church to grow. We want to see God's kingdom expand. But who would have thought that we would have to give sacrificially for so many years and work so very hard before we begin to see anything happen? But at other times, we're very open and receptive, aren't we? It's like the preacher is speaking just to us on that Sunday. The scriptures seem to be alive, written just for our, for our hearing even nature seems to be alive with God's presence. And through all of our times of life and soil composition, just look at the star of the story. 
God the prodigal sower. I hope you've learned by now that the word prodigal means wasteful or lavish. The prodigal son was wasteful of his life and his father's goodness, but God is also very prodigal. He's not miserly when it comes to loving his children. He's willing to waste his precious good love seeds just so the seeds, just so the ready soil can receive his love. God loves us no matter what condition the soil of our lives are in at the moment. He scatters seed of his love on us at all times in our lives. His generous love doesn't quit when we do. And all this brings us to a fourth reason, perhaps, that Jesus told this parable. The story paints a picture of a very gracious God who lavishly scatters seeds on all soils, good and bad, receptive and unreceptive. Such a gracious and prodigal God would send the blessings of rain and sun upon the just and the unjust, and he would scatter his love everywhere and even forgive sins. Why, such a gracious God might even be capable of dying upon a cross for us, sinners and saints alike, dying for all people, whether or not anyone ever took notice. My goodness, that sounds a lot like the God Jesus called our Father. Amen. Thank you.